Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Awesome. Well, Jesus, we just thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, for your presence, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are love, Lord, that uh, you, you decided that about yourself, Lord, that you are love, God, that you are a God of hope, a God of grace, Jesus. And I just thank you so much, Lord. For what you're about to do, I ask for your anointing to come and your anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, Father, for breakthroughs, God, for breakthroughs in the area of truth, Lord, and that strongholds would be destroyed, God, and that we would start to bring, uh, build positive strongholds that are centered around your word. And I just thank you so much for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. So I might come down here and get you a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little like, I'm like getting over the frazzleness of like holding a wet baby and like walking around like, what am I preaching on again? Um, so everything that we have in the Lord, we have by the grace of God. Everything that we have. And there is nothing that, that we have in the Lord that can cause us to boast about how great we are or all the things that we did because everything comes by grace through what he did. So like the gospel message is that there was separation between us and the Father. In the beginning, like God designed for us to have close, intimate relationship with him, to walk with him, to share our hearts together. And then with the fall came the separation and it could not be repaired. It could not be repaired by mankind. So Jesus sent, or so God sent Jesus, his son, to die on a cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid the way for all of us to come back into relationship with God so that we could walk in intimacy, so that we could walk in love, so we could walk in relationship once again without that separation of sin and death. Amen. So how many of you know that is the gospel? And how many of you know that that is good news? <laughs> it's very good news. We, we start out in salvation receiving good news. Amen. There came a point in every one of our lives, um, those, that, the, those of us that are blood-bought believers in Jesus, there came a point that we were like, I can't do it. Like, I'm, I'm dirty. I have sin. I mess up. And I, I can't do better. Like, I'm trying and I can't do better. There's no hope. There's no peace or whatever. And then God brings us by his spirit to that place of decision and gives us the answer. And the answer is Jesus. And in that moment, what we receive him, we receive by faith in him that we now have a clean slate, that we now have access to the Father. And it's like, oh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's good news. So then what happens is that in salvation, we say yes to good news. But then as we walk along in our Christian walk and we listen to different messages and go to church and stuff, we start to pick up the idea that somehow that's the basics. But if you're going to go deeper in God, now it's about you and what you can do and what you can bring and how well you can perform. And I'm telling you right now, that is a lie. What you have in God, you have by the grace of God, and you just believe it, okay? Maturing in Christ, uh, coming to new levels of spiritual authority, it just comes from believing more good news. 
And the more and more you believe the good news, the more and more your life is going to reflect the good news in everything that you do and everywhere you go. Amen? So, like, I can't even take credit for the faith that I have. Because I have faith that people can get healed in an instant. Why do I have that faith? Because I had a heart condition. I had a heart condition. I was bedridden. Couldn't get out of bed. The prognosis was terrible. I had hardly any faith. It was just like, okay, people are praying for me. Maybe slowly I'll get better. That's where my faith was at. And someone came to my house, laid a hand on me. They prayed for me. Instantly I was healed. And I was like, God heals. (laughs) You open up the Bible and like there's healing on every page. And so now there's this stronghold belief in me of like God heals. I know firsthand that he heals. And it doesn't matter if I lay my hand and seemingly I don't see the breakthrough that I think I should see. That doesn't change my stronghold. I know that God heals. But I can't even take credit for that faith because he provided it to me. It wasn't my faith that healed me, right? Even, even my level of surrender to the Lord, I can't take credit for. It was a process of coming to know him. And the more I got to know him, the more I understood how good he was. The more I saw his faithfulness, the more we built history where it's like, oh my gosh, God, you are so good. How could I not surrender to you? Like, what else, what else could I possibly do with my life but give it to you? Because you have been so good. You have shown up for me. It is amazing. Amen. So I can't even take credit for my level of surrender. There was, there was a moment um, that uh, the Lord just like hit me with this encounter. Um, people were praying for me and I fell down, glued to the floor, couldn't get up. And I shook violently for 24 hours straight. And um, let me tell you, when, God said, when people say God is a gentleman, <laughs> I'm like, mm. Sometimes he knocks Paul off the horse and doesn't let him see for a while, right? <laughs> so um, shook for 24 hours. In that 24-hour period, um, the Lord kept bringing before my face all the things of my life, my husband, my children, ministry, church, all the things. And he was pouring out his goodness. It was this encounter with his goodness and with his love. It's just like, I am so there for you. Like, I love your kids more than you. Uh, they're so safe with me. And he was giving me the grace to pray the prayer, God, I want you, more of you at all costs. I had heard someone pray that before. Just like, God, I want you at all costs. And I was like, God, that prayer scares me. Like at all costs, like, what is that? Like, what if you kill my kid? right? Am I really willing to pay any cost, right? And so in my striving and just like, God, I want to have that surrender. I want to be a laid down lover for Jesus. And I just want to feel so good about how devoted I am to Jesus. The more I tried to do that in my flesh, the more I felt like I can't do this. I'm the worst. I'm terrible. And my intimacy with the Lord suffered. And it was just like, this is too hard. Just like, why? Just give up right? And you come to the point that you're just like, I give up. It's too hard. And he's like, finally. Because that was the whole point of the Old Testament. It was the whole point. You could not do it. So I did it for you. I wanted you to see that it was impossible for you to do without me. Amen. And then what we couldn't do, he did because he loves us. Amen. So then in that encounter, he was giving me the grace so that I could actually pray the prayer, God, I want more of you at any cost. 
And I trust him that my kids are safer in his hands. I trust him that my life is safer in his hands. I trust him to go to India because if God's calling me to India, that's the safest place for me to be. And even if he should kill me, yet I will trust him and surrender to him because he knows his ways are higher. Amen. But I can't take credit for that because he did that for me. Amen. So everything that we have, we receive by the grace of God. He is the source of all things. He's the source. Amen. Someone say, he's the source. Okay. (laughs) So um, we're going to to shift for a minute. And um, sometimes we have to say lies out loud in order for us to feel and identify how untrue they are and how evil they really are. So these might be subconscious things that you've thought in the past, maybe thoughts that you've had today or last week. Um, maybe it's pervasive all the time. But um, I'm gonna, I want you to pretend that there's a small child up here, maybe four years old, because uh, God says, enter the kingdom of heaven as a small child, right? So we want to be like children. What are children like? super joyful, playing, dancing. They don't care what it looks like. You know, like Evan's always like, look what I could do. You know, just like, look at that. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. But, you know, they're, they love to laugh. Like 400 times a day, children laugh. 15 times a day, adults laugh. I want to grow up to be like my little son, Evan, <laughs> right? They're, they're joyful. They wholly trust in their father. They wholly trust in their parents. My kids have no problem asking me for McDonald's Happy Meals every day. They don't think money's going to run out. They're not concerned about our finances. It's just like, oh, you just go to the bank and get more money, right? Total faith, total trust. That's a little kid, okay? So these are the thoughts that sometimes we say to yourself that if you were saying it to a little child trying to enter the kingdom of God, you would start to check yourself, okay? So trigger warning, I'm trying to trigger you on purpose, okay? So picture this child, and this is how I'm gonna try and talk to this child. You had better behave right if you want your dad to love you and provide for you. You are not behaving well enough for dad to feed you. So you better get your act together or you're on your own. How can you expect him to be there for you when you are always messing up? Maybe if you do things better and stop messing up, then what the Bible says about you will finally be true. Mm -hmm. Your dad says that you will never be as good as him. And when you stand next to him, he can't even look at you because of how ashamed and disappointed he is in you. That's how good he is. He's so good, he can't even look at you and you will never be as good as he is. If you get a cut on your knee, you'd better make sure you're living up to all the things that he's demanding of you or he is not gonna help you bandage it and he is not gonna kiss your boo-boo. Right? We parent our children very naturally, right? But somehow we get it in our head that God is an abusive father. We get it in our head that he's out to get us. We get it in our head that we are trying to earn love. We're trying to earn provision. We're trying to earn the things from him when he's already provided it for us. Amen? So I want to talk to you about repentance Because the word repentance can bring up different triggers for you. And a lot of times people end up in bondage because of bad definitions. So if you think the word repentance means you'd better be really sorry. 
you'd better be sorry, you better feel really, really bad. Then every time you see the word repentance in the Bible, you're going to see, you guys better be sorry. You guys better feel so bad because the kingdom of heaven is coming. Right? Did you know that there is no indication of feeling bad or feeling sorry in the word repentance when you look at the original meaning? The word repentance means think differently. Think differently. Think again. Think in a different way. Okay? So then you read the Bible and it's like, think differently about how you're trying to relate to God because the kingdom of heaven is actually close to you. And you actually have access to the Father So think differently, repent, not feel bad, repent and think differently with how you're trying to relate to God. Because you've been trying to relate through your self-effort. You've been trying to relate through the law. But think differently because the kingdom of heaven is actually closer to you now because of what Jesus did. And now you can enter in as a child because of what Jesus did. Amen. Repentance means think differently. Uh, Mark 1.15 says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now notice it says repent and believe. It's kind of interesting that those are seen as two different things. So repent means I'm going to think differently. Okay, I'm thinking differently. I've been trying self-effort. I've been trying to do all the things, do, 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 earn, earn, earn. But now I'm going to think differently. But not only am I going to think differently, I am going to believe good news. Can I tell you, your breakthroughs are going to come by believing more and more good news. Amen? Your breakthroughs are going to come by believing more and more good news. And so let's, let's put up on the screens Colossians 2.8. Colossians 2.8. This is a warning. See to it that no one takes you captive. Someone say takes you captive. Through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So it's like, watch, be careful, see to it that you don't get taken back into captivity thinking that anything depends on anything other than Christ Jesus and what he did. Amen? Don't be taken into captivity. Sometimes we're in bondage because we, we hear a message or we hear the behavior management non-gospel of you try harder, do better. You be transformed by trying harder. No, transformed by the renewing of your mind, by believing more and more of his truth. Amen? Okay. Um, let's, let's move on to Colossians 2, 13 to 15. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. How many transgressions? All, all. What was the problem? That we were bad people or that we were dead people? (laughs) the problem that he came to solve was not that we were bad people that needed to become good. It's that we were dead people that need to be brought back to life. Amen? So when we were dead in our transgressions and the uncircumcision of our flesh, he made us alive together with him. Someone say together with him. Together with him, because that's been the point from the beginning. He wanted relationship. He wanted connection. He wanted to be close to us. Amen? Amen? 
The more we believe lies and like this, this non-good news gospel of earn your way to love with him, it's working against, it's actually evil. See to it that you don't come into captivity under that type of falsehood, amen? Because those words that I'm speaking to this small child, you can feel how evil they are, right? But when we're believing a false gospel, that's exactly how we talk to ourselves or worse, Amen. All right. Um, yeah. So here's the next, the next part of the scripture uh, is awesome. So he's forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. So this means for all the things that you've ever done wrong or doing now or will ever do, that is never going to be attached to your account as a debt that you have to pay because of what Jesus did. Amen. This is why it's like, ah, it's good news. Yay, Jesus. Okay. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the accusations that the enemy tries to bring up about your past, the accusations that the enemy tries to bring up about stuff that you're even messing up right now, where is that list of accusations? Nailed to the cross. Who put it there? Jesus. <laughs> How secure is that list of debts if Jesus nailed it to the cross? Amen? All right. And then uh, moving on to verse 15. When he had disarmed, someone say disarmed, the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Okay, so what does that mean? Who are the rulers and authorities? The bad guys. <laughs> the bad guys. It's the enemy, okay? So the enemy, the devil, the demons, all the things, okay? They have been disarmed by Jesus. They are defeated. They have no arms. <laughs> no arms. Disarmed, okay? They've been disarmed. Not only have they been disarmed, but he made a public display of them, meaning he humiliated them. He put them on display and it's like laughter and embarrassment and shame for the enemy because he lost, right? He's already defeated. He's already done. He doesn't have anything against you. He has no accusation that can stand against you. Jesus himself nailed it to the cross. So let me share a truth with you. The devil is not your biggest problem. The devil is not my biggest problem. Ha ha. <laughs> The devil is not our biggest problem. <laughs> Yay. That's good news. Because, man, if the devil was my biggest problem, I'd probably feel like a victim. I'd probably feel like there's not much I can do. He's bigger than me, right? No, he's been defeated. There's no accusation that he can hold against you. He can't mess with your life. The only thing that he's got on you is to lie in your ear and you start believing what he's saying. And so then you back down from what it is that you're supposed to do or whatever or who you are. Amen. That's all he's got is lying, smoke and mirrors. The devil is not your biggest problem. Amen. Someone say, I am not a devil-focused Christian. <laughs> say, I'm a Jesus-focused Christian. I'm a belief-focused Christian. <laughs> Do you know how much faith I used to have that the devil would attack me? <laughs> <laughs> How much faith have I had in my life for the devil to attack me? How much faith have you had that the devil would attack you? 
And how much faith have we had in God's ability to protect us? And I'm not pointing this out to say, oh, you're bad. Oh, you're bad for believing that. No, it's like, hey, you've been lied to. Like, wow, Jesus like really, really paid it all. So now let's take the truth of like God is the best protector. And not only is he the best protector, but he wants to protect you because you are his child and he loves you and he has only love for you. And he's not disappointed in you and he's not ashamed of you. He knew that you couldn't do it on your own. So he did it for you because he loves you. And now let's focus on believing that. Amen. So the the message is called Believing Truth. Believe truth. Okay. We are called believers. Yay. We're not called Christian doers. Right. We are Christian believers. So the more truth that we can believe, the more we can partner with God in our belief system, the more you'll see that your behaviors, your emotions, and your circumstances start to follow what it is that you believe. Because in the kingdom of heaven, you see first, right? And then you walk it out, right? You have to see it. You have to believe it first. Does that make sense? You know, I'm talking about spiritual sight. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? So you see it before it happens. You walk it out and your life is acting it out. Amen? Okay. Believing truth about who God is is so important. Not only who God, is, who God is, but who we are, and not only who he is and who we are, but how he feels toward us, and what are God's beliefs about me? What are his thoughts toward me? Psalm 139 talks about how there's more thoughts that God has for just you than there are grains of sand at the beaches, like in the ocean. Like how many grains of sand are there? He has that many thoughts for you. That's pretty amazing. Amen. Like, oh, and he's thinking good thoughts. (laughs) Amen. So if our job is not to do, but to believe, then we need to actively participate with God in believing truth. So with as much fervor, with as much passion as you would attempt to do things for him or to act right for him, you need to put that level of fervor and activity into, God, I want to believe your truth more. I want to partner with you and I want to go after, I need to believe this more. Amen? All right. More important than focusing on my habits and routines and behavior management is belief management. Why is that more important? Because our actions are going to follow up our beliefs. Okay? Um, Let's look at John 6.28. John 6.28. Therefore, this is is after Jesus fed the 5,000. There was a miracle provision of food off of one little boy's lunch. And there's leftover baskets of food. And then this is the conversation that happens. Therefore, they said to him, meaning Jesus, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So that's a very popular human question. What do we need to do? Show me what to do and we'll do it. Show me what to do. God, how do I work miracles like you? What do I do? God, how do, I, how do I behave better? What do I do? God, how do I have a better marriage? What do I do? How do I be a, a better parent? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I am my own source. I'm going after my own behavior to bring my breakthrough, right? And he says, this is your work 
that you believe in him whom he sent. So I need to spend my time believing more truth, believing Jesus and what it is that he accomplished on the cross for me. Amen? Okay? The gospel, believing more gospel truth. Transformation. If I want to see transformation in my life, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by trying harder. (laughs) Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by white-knuckling your way through life and trying to keep your behavior in check. And then you're going to be transformed. No. (laughs) Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, it's not just about surrendering our heart to Jesus, it's surrendering our beliefs to Jesus. Surrendering our beliefs to Jesus. And now here's, here's the problem is that oftentimes we will use our emotions or our experience to check the truth of something. Okay, so let me just tell you, like, your, your feelings are not the highest indicator of whether or not something is true. <laughs> your feelings are not the highest indicator of whether or not something is true. So if you have given your life to Jesus, if you are born again, you're saved even if you don't feel saved. Okay, you're righteous even if you don't feel righteous. You're powerful even if you don't feel powerful. Okay, so then it becomes my job to align my belief system past my feelings. And then once I truly believe that, my feelings are actually going to line up with what it is that I'm believing. Amen? Okay. Um, Your past experience is not the highest indicator of how true something is. (laughs) Your past experience is not the highest indicator of how true something is. Okay, so we don't get truth from our feelings. We don't get truth from our past experiences. We get truth from him. We get truth from the word of God. Amen. And it's our job to align and believe and even ask him, God, I need your grace to believe this more. I need your grace to believe this more. Okay. It's not just a matter of surrendering our heart. It's a matter of surrendering our beliefs to him. Belief is not passive. So I can't wait around and wait to see my circumstances in my life change in order for me to decide, finally, I'm going to believe something higher. Because finally, everything in my circumstances aligned and everything's great. And now I'm going to believe higher truth. (laughs) It's like, no, actually, despite what circumstances are doing, God, help me to believe this truth. And the more I believe it, the more I'm going to see it activated. Amen? Okay? I can't sit around and be passive with my feelings and just be like, maybe one of these days all my feelings will line up and I'll just feel good. And then I'll decide, yay, now I'm going to believe that God really is joyful. (laughs) Now I'm going to believe that joy is one third of the kingdom because I finally found myself joyful one day. It doesn't work like that. It's not a passive thing. I'm going to go after the belief of it. I'm going to believe more and more. Joy is one third of the kingdom. And the more I believe it and the more I partner with God believing that, the more joy is going to get activated in my life. Does this make sense? It's, it's funny how people are uncomfortable sometimes with laughter in church. And it's like the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Like, we're okay with peace. We're okay with righteousness. But joy, 
That's, that's weird. <laughs> that's like uncomfortable. Oh man, people laughing. Like you must not understand what it says in the, in the word because you're laughing. Like this is serious stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, Jesus paid the price. This is so good. It's so good news. This is why we jump and shout and lift our hands and we're like, God, you're so good. It's because we've received how good he really is. We've received his love. We're like, this is ridiculously amazing. And this is why we end up being double deep dippers and people come to second service just to worship him. It's because because we're just like, he's so good. How could you not worship him? Amen. We get to shift our beliefs, okay? It's just like, well, I don't, I don't feel joyful. That's okay. Shift your belief. God, give me the grace to be joyful. Well, I want to be authentic. I don't want to be fake, right? Well, how many of you have ever not felt like coming to church and went anyway? Fake church attendance. <laughs> Fakers! No, sometimes you're going to choose past what you feel. Sometimes you're going to choose past whatever the circumstances. And be just like, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting myself there. Okay? And most of the time, you don't regret it. Most depending on where you go. <laughs> most of the time. All right. So we don't want to be passive in our belief. It's not going to just hit us one day. We're, we're meant to focus on those things that are good and lovely and pure, and we're going to think on those things. This is something that we want to activate in our life, um, not passively. Amen? All right. Um, here's some practical ways that we can believe more truth. And this is something that I do all the time. I set reminders on my phone so that I can think on things and I make declarations. So my kids are always bringing my, me my phone and just be like, mom, your alarm's going off again. You are the beloved at all times. <laughs> or mom, your alarm's going off. Just want you to know that it's impossible for you to pray and see nothing happen. And so these are the declarations that I have pop up on my phone. You are the beloved at all times. There was a time in my life that I didn't feel that. It felt like, even though I know it's true, I know that God loves me at all times, you know, but it didn't line up in my heart. So I'm like, God, I want to actively go after this and believe it more. So it was a reminder that come up on my phone. Now, here's the thing. When you partner with God because you want to believe his truth more, he loves it and he backs it up supernaturally. Because I can't tell you how many times that reminder would pop up right when I wasn't acting right. Right when I was frustrated with the kids or I was like frustrated with the situation or not trusting or fearful, you are the beloved at all times. I'm just like, yes, I am the beloved at all times in this moment right now when I you know, don't love myself maybe because of whatever I think is wrong, I know God loves me, amen? Start to build those strongholds and go after it. Um, I love having that reminder, come on. It, uh, uh, it's impossible for me to pray and have nothing happen. Right? And I take the scripture of just like the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Right? I'm like, God, I want to believe that more. And so I'm just like reworded it. I'm just like, this is something that's going to become a conviction for me. And I'm going to believe that. And it's awesome because those reminders come on right before I go to pray for people all the time. It's awesome. All right. Um, so we can build positive strongholds. Um, here are some other strongholds that I've built and um, that are building. One of the strongholds that I wanted to build is um, I am beautiful. Um, that was something that I was really struggling with, especially when I was pregnant. Um, and I was pregnant with Evan. Um, you know, you feel huge and, you know, like gain all this weight and you're pregnant and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I just want to believe that I'm beautiful uh, because I don't want to rely on my husband to tell me enough times that I'm beautiful 
because then it becomes his full-time job. And if that's his job to make me feel beautiful, I'm going to start to feel really insecure and I'm going to start to control him because if I don't see him enough times or if I think he's looking other directions or whatever, I now have a problem because he's not filling that need for me, right? And I become a victim of Daniel. Anyone else ever do that? (laughs) Okay, so what happens is that I actually have to believe truth And when I believe truth, it's awesome. And then he can affirm that truth. That's amazing. But I'm not going to him as my source. I'm going to Jesus as my source. Lord, help me to believe that I'm beautiful even when I'm, you know, 60 pounds overweight and pregnant, right? So I had reminders going on and I'm partnering with God. Part of this was even me like being okay with being beautiful. It's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it, you know, that kind of thing. And I started going after that with the Lord. I'm like, I really want to believe this. And then here's what started happening. I'm huge pregnant. I would show up to the grocery store, different places. My hair would be a mess, unshowered, holding toddler, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Um, someone would come up to me and be like, I just want to tell you, you are so beautiful. Like you are just gorgeous. And I'm just like, I don't know how that's true right now, you know, but God started to partner with me in the supernatural. Like someone, like they actually followed me to the parking lot and they're like, I swear I'm not trying to be weird or anything, but I just have to tell you, you are so beautiful. Like you are strikingly beautiful. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Thank you so much. Get in my car as fast as possible. (laughs) But they were like, they're just really kind. They're like, I swear I'm not trying to do like a thing or whatever. But this kept happening because heaven starts to partner with you when you're trying to believe something. Amen. The supernatural will come and back it up. It's, it's really powerful. All right. Um, it is impossible for me to pray and have nothing happen. I'm the beloved at all times. Here's a really great practical one because I kept feeling myself believing lies in this area when it comes to going to the gym. Um, three times a week before it's time for me to leave, a reminder comes on my phone and says, going to the gym is fun and easy and relaxing and it makes you have more energy. And it's like, it's powerful because I started to believe a lie that's just like, this is going to take something from me. I'm going to be tired. It's hard to get to the gym and it's hard to buckle the kids up and all this stuff. And so I'm just like, no, I want to build a stronghold belief of like, no, this is fun. It's easy. It's relaxing. And it really works because I really enjoy going to the gym. It's awesome. Um, What's that? And that is, I will say, they have amazing childcare at the gym, and it is a very big motivator for me. <laughs> Three days a week to be like, you guys go here, and I get to do my thing. It's awesome. Yeah, that's the grace of God right there. That is provision. <laughs> All right. In our relationships, um, when we prophesy over people, you want to have high beliefs about people. Okay, like if you're prophesying and it's like you're hitting dirt with your prophecy, you need to prophesy a little higher. Okay, like people don't mind you moving their dirt around if they know you're looking for gold. So you're going to call out gold. You're going to call out the destiny. What did God put there? What, what does he have for their life? So important to do that, to believe higher about people. In leadership, you have to have high beliefs about people. In leadership, you have to have high beliefs about people. I literally will, will sit, like if I'm going to have a meeting with someone and I'm anticipating maybe this is a difficult meeting or you know, maybe they're, they're having a hard time, I get with Jesus and I'm like, Lord, help me to have really high beliefs about this person. What is it that you see? What's the gold? Like, what is it that you want to draw out today? Um, it's really important because like the last thing that someone needs from me is like they're having a hard time and now they have a leader that doesn't believe in them either right? It's just like, that's going to that's gonna get nowhere. So like the more hope you have, the more influence you have. Amen. 
All right. Um, when I mentor someone, I make sure to work with Jesus on having high beliefs about them because our hope level determines our level of influence. Really, really important. Um, I have high beliefs about Holy Spirit and his ability to reach people, to teach them, and to guide them supernaturally. So what does that do? It takes the burden off of me that somehow I have to fix people or I have to, to say all the right things and line it up perfectly. It's like, no, I actually trust Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit and to guide and to teach and all, all the things that I don't have to list. Like I could list 20 different scenarios of lies that you guys are believing and just be like, I have to hit all 20 and then we're going to take authority over all 20 and we're just going to go after that. It's like, no, I don't actually need to do that. We can all close our eyes and be like, Holy Spirit, what's the problem? And then Holy Spirit's dealing with each one of you individually, and I have a strong conviction that the word is true when he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know he's going to meet with you, and even if in this moment you're not hearing, he's going to meet you later in a dream, in a conversation, when you're reading the word, I trust him. Amen? High beliefs are important. In marriage, actively maintaining high beliefs about your spouse is key. Actively maintaining high beliefs about your spouse is key because of all the relationships, that is probably one where the enemy is really accusing in your ear all the terrible things that this person thinks of you, feels about you, doesn't feel about you, is doing, is trying, you know, all these things. The, the accuser is really in there, so we want to make sure, Jesus, how do you see my spouse? What are your beliefs about them? I want to partner with that. Amen. Um, this is something that Daniel and I have been doing. Um, we do nightly affirmations. And so, like, right before bed, we, um, we stare eye to eye, and it's 10 minutes, sometimes not even 10 minutes, like five minutes, minutes each-ish. And all we do is list off all the things that we like about the other person, all the things that we like, all the things that we love, all the things that we admire or whatever. And it can, a lot of times, it's some of the same things every night. But it's been really awesome. It's like, not only is it helpful because the other person gets to hear how you really feel about them, especially when the accuser's been accusing all day, right? So they get to hear firsthand, this is how I feel about you. This is what I love about you. You're an amazing leader. You're a genius musician. Like, I love that you like have this business in the studio and like, you're just like a genius at this stuff. You know what all the buttons do on the soundboard. And like, I don't even, I can't even begin to understand that. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you're a genius. So like, we're, we're saying these things to each other and um, it starts to make our own minds start looking for the things that we like and focusing on building positive strongholds about the other person as well. Amen? Really helpful. You can do that with friends as well because we want to actively maintain high beliefs about our friends as well. So you guys should have like a coffee date and do like affirmations for 10 minutes. It's really awesome. All right. We're building positive strongholds. We want to protect our connection and ask, what is it that I like about them? Okay? Here's five powerful words. Let me love you first. Let me love you first. Well, I'll wait to do affirmations until you start doing affirmations. When you say the things I want to hear, then I'll finally, maybe I'll say something. Right? All right. We'll leave that there. <laughs> All right. So we talked about this in a past message. Our job, especially in the spirit, is to receive, contain, and broadcast. 
So everyone say it with me. Receive, contain, and broadcast. So when we are operating in the spirit, we go into receive mode. I'm not in striving mode. I'm not in trying mode. I'm in Holy Spirit, what do you want me to receive right now? And then he gives me, let's say, a prophetic word, for example. I contain it. I might, you know, work with him on how to articulate it. And then I broadcast it. Amen. Everything in the spirit goes that way. If someone comes up to me and asks me to pray for healing, I am not going to go into like, I'm trying with my effort. I'm going to heal them because there's nothing I could do by like, right? Like it just doesn't work, right? So I go into receive mode. Holy Spirit, what's going on with this person? What do you want to pray? What do you want to go after? I receive it. I contain it. And now I'm going to broadcast what it is that he's doing and what he's saying. Does this make sense? All right. So um, in, in the worldly sense and in uh, not being in the spirit, everything comes from my own self-effort and what I can produce and what I can do. And that's just not walking in the spirit. Amen. So here, here's the thing when it comes to receiving and containing and broadcasting is what is it that you are receiving? What is it that you're receiving? What channel are you tuned into? And so Steve Backlund, I love his comparison he has. Like, what would happen if I rented this rental car and I got in and I turned on the radio station, it was playing this like horrible music, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna have to listen to this for the whole trip. <laughs> just like, oh no, we actually get to just change the channel. All right? So what channel are you receiving from? Are you receiving from the negative comparison channel? Are you receiving from the rejection channel? Are you receiving from the I'm a horrible leader channel? channel? Are you receiving from I'm the terrible mom channel? Amen. What are you receiving from? Because whatever it is that you're receiving, you're going to contain it and you're going to broadcast it. So if I'm receiving constantly this rejection channel, everybody rejects me, uh, everyone's always rejecting me, like I just get rejected, nobody likes me, people just like, I can't help it, like people just don't like me or whatever. I'm receiving that, I'm containing it, and now I broadcast everywhere I go. Nobody likes me, nobody likes me. And I've got this chip on my shoulder and I interact with people and I don't trust them and whatever. And I'm expecting people to reject me, so I reject them first. And then when they walk away, I say, see, it's true. Rejection, that's just who I am, right? Because we receive, we contain, and we broadcast. If I'm always on the I'm a terrible mom channel and I'm receiving from that channel, maybe it's because I'm on Pinterest and I have never had a Pinterest-worthy birthday party for any of my kids because I'm just like not that crafty. It's not gonna happen. It's just like not happening for me or whatever. And if I listen to that channel and I tell myself by negative comparison, see, I'm a terrible mom because I'm not doing that, I'm receiving, I'm containing, and now I broadcast because all this emotional energy has been expended on feeling like crap, right? Can I say that in church? Feeling terrible. And now I get around my kids and I don't think I'm good at connecting with them. And so I start to broadcast, I'm a terrible mom. Does this make sense? Receive, contain, and broadcast. So we need to fix what it is that we're receiving, okay? So let's uh, change the channel to you're a great leader channel. You're a great mom channel. You are a successful person channel. 
Okay, so that might mean, you know, turning off some social media for a minute. It might mean asking Holy Spirit, like, what is it that I'm receiving that, like, maybe I get off of this particular thing and I just always feel down after or I just feel, like, depleted or whatever. Pay attention to those things and partner with Holy Spirit. Your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the actual problem. Your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the actual problem. So we want to tune in to the Spirit, receive what He's saying, contain it, and broadcast it. Amen? All right. Whose obedience do we focus on? (laughs) Good answer. Wow, you guys are straight A's. That's awesome. Uh, Whose obedience do we focus on? In 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 to 5, I don't have it for the screens, but it is, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we are going to be bringing every thought into captivity to to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? To the obedience of Christ. That means like I'm going to bring every thought captive and I'm going to try to be as obedient as Christ is. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, right? Okay. It's, also, it's actually uh, bringing my thoughts in line with his obedience of what he did on the cross, right? So I'm going to align my beliefs with the fact that he paid it all. Amen? Align with his obedience. The devil always wants you to get focused on yourself, on your obedience, how you're performing, how you're doing. Always focused on yourself. You are your own source. What we want to be is obedient to the faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, Romans 4, 3. So Abraham, he believed God, and God says, that's righteous. You are righteous, okay? Um, Was he righteous because he followed the law perfectly? Well, we know that he lied twice about his wife and said, oh, no, that's my sister. Don't kill me, right? So we know he lied, and also he existed before the law existed, right? And yet God calls him righteous. God calls him friend. It's because he believed Amen. This belief thing is powerful. Turn to your neighbor and say, this belief thing is powerful. <laughs> Amen. All right. Uh, this is the gospel according to Paul. Let's put up on the screen Acts 13, 38 to 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him, meaning Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him, everyone who, what? believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. So you could not be freed through the law of Moses. You don't need to follow the law of Moses. No, we are not under the law. We are under grace and we are under the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you are following the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to kill people or to commit adultery. Amen. (laughs) So we don't need to follow the law. We follow the spirit, which is superior to the law because we could not be freed under the law. Amen. So everything was accomplished by Jesus and we are free when we believe. Amen. Amen. 
When you believe right, you will live right. And that will be the fruit of the Spirit working in your life, fruit from Him, not from you. You get fruit by hanging out with Holy Spirit in intimacy. And then, oh my gosh, look, there's joy. Oh my gosh, peace. There's, oh my gosh, look at all this fruit that's coming. It's like, I actually didn't have to work for it. I'm just hanging out with Holy Spirit all the time. Okay? So you are unpunishable. (laughs) I should have like 18 amens. You are unpunishable. If you've given your heart to Jesus and you've been washed of all your sins, never to be remembered again, far as the East is from the West, you are unpunishable. Why are you unpunishable? Because God took out the fullness of his wrath and all your sins on the body of Jesus Christ. So he is not forgiving you. He is not, uh, not accrediting that to your account because he's nice. He's not doing that because he's merciful. He's doing that because he's holy and because he's just. Because God is just, it works in your favor and he could never punish you because he already punished Jesus. Amen? Because he's holy. Because he's that good. Now, here's the thing that we get in our head about holiness, okay? If, if you had a spirit of fear, we would all assume that there's a lot of fear happening in your life and that you're probably responding to fear a lot. There's fear happening, okay? If you have a spirit of rage, then we would assume that there's probably rage happening in your life. There's rage in your thoughts, and it's probably spilling out into your actions, okay? You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of holiness, living with you. He never departs. He's always with you and he's always empowering you. He's on your side. You have a spirit of holiness living inside of you. So if you want to see holiness activated in your life, hang out with Holy Spirit. But what people say is when you get your act together, then Holy Spirit will hang out with you. And it's putting the cart before the horse. This makes sense? You cannot produce fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit. You cannot try and offer God peace, love, joy, and, and, and faithfulness without Him working that out in you. Does this make sense? Someone say, I've got a spirit of holiness. <laughs> Amen. i got a spirit of holiness. So what would happen if you really believed that all your sins are forgiven? What would happen if you truly believed that God has nothing but love for you? (laughs) Yes. What would happen if you truly believed that you can do greater works than Jesus? What would happen if you truly believed that you are more than a conqueror? What would happen? What would your life look like? What would your internal world feel like? Ah. That'd be amazing. Walk around feeling like, oh, I'm going to kick the devil in the face. You got nothing on me. <laughs> You're not even my biggest problem. Amen. So how do I know if I'm believing truth? How, do, how can I tell if I'm, if I'm truly believing? Because sometimes we're like, I want to believe it. How do I know? Okay. Um, you'll know that you're believing truth the more and more your emotions line up with what it is that you're believing. Because your emotions always follow what you believe. Okay. Your emotions will line up. How do you know if you're believing truth? You will start to produce the fruit of that truth. Okay? And how do you know if you're believing truth? You'll begin to swipe the debit card. Remember we talked about in the last message. You'll begin to swipe the debit card and actually take action in line with that truth because you believe the money's in your account. Amen? 
All right. So in conclusion, believing truth should be like one of our main jobs as believers. Huh. <laughs> right? You are a believer. Let's, let's uh, believe truth actively with God. Um, let's focus on believing truth actively, participating with God, partnering with God. Don't just focus on expelling lies. That's awesome. But you have to replace the lies with truth. And the more you build strongholds of truth, the more a lie doesn't even have a chance to come in. Amen? All right. Um, yeah. So here's some, some sample truths to believe. Um, and you can, you can pick your own out of the word. There's like so many. Or you can just hear from Holy Spirit if there's a truth he wants you to believe. 1 John 4, 17. As Jesus is right now, so am I in this world. And this is a scripture that talks about having boldness in the day of judgment. Because as Jesus is right now, so am I here on this earth. So is Jesus in fear of judgment? Absolutely not. Is, does Jesus have tumors? Absolutely not. Is Jesus having panic attacks? Absolutely not. As he is, so am I in this world. God, give me the grace to believe that more and more. Put reminders on my phone. God, I want to partner with that truth. I want to believe that in the core of who I am. Um, here's another one. John 15, 9. As the Father loves Jesus, so he loves me. As much as the Father loves Jesus, how much does the Father love Jesus? Jesus is perfect, amazing, like couldn't make God any happier, right? And as much as God loves Jesus, he loves me. John 15, 9, God, help my emotions to line up with that truth. Lord, help me to believe that. Um, Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God's not withholding from me. He's going to supply all my needs, not just financial, talent, ability, wisdom, you know, all the things he's providing. Um, here's a great one, James 1, 5. Um, God loves it when I say that I need wisdom because he always gives it. James 1.5, he is always going to show me what I need to do. He's always going to show me the wisdom that I need to have. These are powerful strongholds that we want to actively start believing. So I want us all to close our eyes and I want you to repeat after me because we're going to ask Holy Spirit um, a question. So repeat after me. Holy Spirit, what is a truth that you want me to actively start believing? And he might show you a scripture. He might even just show you a concept. He might show you a picture. You might even get a feeling of like, maybe there's this like overall stress feeling in your life at times and he's just like talking to you about that. And that there's like a belief that he wants you to have. But yeah, Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, that you're showing, you're leading, you're guiding, you're teaching, you're encouraging right now. Okay, with, with all uh, eyes closed still, ra just raise your hand at me just so I know, like, if you've got something. Did, did Spirit show you something? Okay, awesome. Okay, keep on. Keep on. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father, that you're going to show up, God. Yeah, we just trust you. We just thank you. Okay, so we're going to do something super spiritual right now. You can open your eyes, and I want everyone to get out your smartphone, and I want you to put a reminder, 
or send yourself an email or put it on your to-do list, whatever that truth is that he wants you to start actively believing. And I want you to run into it at least one or two times this week. Yeah. Just write it down. And if you didn't hear something specific and you just need some more time to pray, that's okay. There's, there's times it's just like, oh, I'm just not hearing right now or I feel the time pressure. That's awesome. Like just um, put your, your reminder is just like ask Holy Spirit, what's the truth that he wants me to believe? Or even just look through my Bible and like what, what truth do I feel like jumps out at me that I want to start believing? All right, so as you're finishing that, I'm just gonna go ahead and pray for you guys. So Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord, um, for the breakthroughs that you have coming, God. I thank you, Lord, that um, we're gonna start to believe truth, God, that we're not gonna be hoodwinked by the enemy anymore, God. We're not gonna give over territory to him uh, because we're believing lies, God, but we're gonna start building strongholds of your truth and your goodness because you are that good. And I thank you, Lord, that it's your holiness that actually draws us to you, Jesus, that your Holiness doesn't bring separation. It doesn't bring fear of just like, oh gosh, like, oh, we could never be as, as good or whatever. But you're a loving father that's like, you need holiness here. Come take holiness. Hang out with me. Be set apart with me and receive holiness. I just thank you so much, Lord, that you are such a good father. And I just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.